Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host. And our guest today is John Enzer. He's an evangelical pastor and leader in the pro-life movement. And also, he's the president of Passion Life Ministries. There are so many wonderful things about you, John. I'm very excited to reconnect with you on this conversation. Well, thank you. We're seeing some really dramatic changes in the emotions of people concerning the abortion issue. I'm watching on television. I'm seeing people totally destroy a table of information and walk away. And even someone who took a hatchet up to a person's neck and held it and then ran back into her home. We're just absolutely crazy right now as a nation on this issue of life. Can you give me some understanding? I think we are definitely seeing that, and I think we should be prepared as a Christian community to see in the coming days, especially as now the uh, end of Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision has turned everything back to the states. And as we have seen, many states are passing more and more protections for the unborn at 12 weeks, 15 weeks, six weeks, and so on and so forth. And in every one of these cases, it is both a moment of celebration for those who acknowledge the humanity of the unborn. But for the other side, it feels like they are having all of their identity and self-worth and value stripped away from them. And they're very angry, very, very angry. And they're reaching out with that anger and striking back at whatever targets they can find. And that started, obviously, with the pregnancy clinics in the area and is now expanding to any open peaceful demonstration on the streets, or as we saw, uh, an information table set up at a university. It's just provoking an irrational anger that is, in some cases, turning violent. Is this something that we have been able to actually think about having it happen in the future, or have we been too relaxed about it as people who are pro-life and not really anticipating this kind of depth of anger and frustration? I'm sure it's pretty shocking to most of us, at least in the United States, not so much around the world where the dynamics are much different. But in the United States, we have a long tradition of protest and nonviolent protest. I mean, of course, the civil rights movement was rooted in a nonviolent demonstration, even though it did provoke violence in many, many cases. But it's definitely new for our generation to see this kind of direct, physical, emotional, irrational anger geared toward those who merely have a point of view that all human beings deserve equal rights, uh, male, female, of every color and every size, born and unborn. So it's a new thing for us. It's a new development. It could have been predicted every time there is a great advance in a moral struggle, there is a pushback. We could talk about it in spiritual terms even, but 
certainly wherever the gospel and the influence of the gospel takes a big step forward, there is always a counter move. We're seeing that right now. I did not announce you, John, as Reverend John Enser, and I want our listener to understand that you have a whole world of involvement with the church on this issue, which is unique, because the church doesn't like to talk out about this very much. It's very difficult conversation for them. So I so appreciate the interest that you have in this and the staying strength that you have with this organization, with the idea of Passion Life. Tell me a little bit about starting that organization and what you guys are up to. Well, you're right. I am a a pastor. I started out as a Baptist minister in the inner city of Boston, and our church ended up taking the lead to start a pregnancy help clinic in the inner city of Boston. And with the help of other churches in the Boston area, we ended up starting six ultrasound-equipped pregnancy medical clinics in the greater Boston area with the first pregnancy center in Massachusetts to have an ultrasound. And then I wrote a book with Focus on the Family that sort of gave me some opportunities to work across the nation. And we started to concentrate on urban areas and minorities and to see if we couldn't expand the pregnancy help movement into minority neighborhoods. We started in Miami, and they now have four or five pregnancy help clinics in Miami called Heartbeat of Miami, all run by African-American and Hispanic leaders there. And then I just started working more and more overseas in places like China and Cuba and Romania. Wherever abortion is most concentrated, my goal was to try to take myself and my example as trying to lead my small church and begin to train pastors to think more biblically about the sanctity of human life and the call to rescue and begin to see pregnancy crisis as an entry point for the gospel. Because all women experience pregnancy crisis as a crisis of faith. That's what it is. It's a crisis of faith and who's going to be my savior at that moment, the Lord or, or the abortionist. And so we began to work more and more with churches all over the world. Now we work in 27 countries and 21 languages. But our commitment is to equip the church worldwide to be able to respond to abortion in a truthful and loving way, in a way that provides saving help in a life-changing way. And I've been at it for some 32 years And it's the great joy of my life to see the church mobilized. And the Pregnancy Center movement in this country really is the Underground Railroad of our times. I really believe history will show that if we hadn't had that network built over the last 50 years, Roe v. Wade never would have been overturned. Well, I love that thought that because we've all been working in small units and small counties and finding ourselves very involved with individuals who are struggling to make a decision for life. And there are all sorts of reasons. We know that. They're they're not always just, I can't have a child right now, period. Sometimes it has to do with the boyfriend or the husband or the number of children they already have or the lack of funding There are all sorts of reasons that women come down to saying, I guess the best answer would be for me to abort this child. 
And that's never the best answer. It's never the best answer. It's a life that God has given us. It is to be nourished. And if you can't handle it, my goodness, there's a line of people who would love to adopt a brand new baby. It's just incredible. It is, and it's been important for the church, and as frustrating as it is that many pastors and leaders have not been willing to address it as a biblical moral issue. Nonetheless, the 3,000 pregnancy help clinics and post-abortion Bible studies and maternity homes, everything that is up and developed from the last 50 years has grown out of the Christian community. So it's a little bit of a balancing act in my own life between being frustrated on one hand and being proud on the other hand. But now we just need to keep at it and expand it and then expand it to the neediest places in the world, which is kind of what my current focus is. And protect them by supporting them financially and protecting them by being involved. No one's ever alone in a pregnancy center when someone could come in and and do something. That's a really important thing. I learned when I was starting in a pregnancy center, I learned how how you are so vulnerable to someone who might come in and be very irritated with what you're doing. That's true. I mean, I when I was working in the centers in Boston, I had my life threatened several times. I rate boyfriends who were manipulating their girlfriends into an abortion. And, and, uh, and I say manipulating because they were cowardly about it. They would say, I'll support your decision either way. And then their true intentions would be revealed and they become very angry. But I just think as a movement, we're committed primarily as a church people to reach the women in our neighborhood one mother at a time and help them through that crisis. But now we're in a stage of our history and development in which we are going to become more and more the focus of attack. Even though we're not really involved in that much politics, the politics have now changed, and therefore the attacks are coming. And we're the only target, really, pregnancy centers, student groups, anywhere there's a physical demonstration of somebody standing for life they can become a target. And that's just part of our counting the cost that that the Lord warned us about. Serving the Lord is not for cowards. And I think particularly for when it comes to abortion, you have to remember that we are up against something that is irrational and demonic in its actual source. I always start with Psalm 106 talks about how they sacrifice their sons and their daughters to the demons. So anything that's involved with child sacrifice really is demonic in its nature, even though I think most people don't see it that way. You're seeing it now. You're seeing it by the irrational anger that's being... I mean, imagine taking machete to somebody's throat and being ticked off. That murderous Spirit is what is involved in abortion. And we're going to stand there and take it. We're going to be cross bearers for child bearers. And I encourage everyone in the United States who stands for life to be prayerful and be prepared to suffer if that's what it takes for us to maintain our testimony and witness. 
And I've learned that by watching the believers in China and Vietnam and Cuba. All of those people know that following Christ and suffering go together. We are talking with Reverend John Enzer, and he's the president of Passion Life. And I can't wait to get to the other side of our interview because I want to talk about some of the things that we are seeing that are almost demonic. We'll be right back on Choose Life Radio. As we begin our fifth year, encouraging believers to experience, share, and deepen their commitment to the sanctity of human life, I'm reminded that life can be messy. There are challenges around us, for sure. We face political challenges, and the cost of living is increasing at a 50-year high. And the way we treat each other, especially those who don't look like us or sound like us, or perhaps simply disagree with us, well, it leaves a lot to be desired. Racial discrimination, sex trafficking, questions of sexual orientation, and of course, abortion. All of these are continually in the news. They're troubling, and dare I say, at least somewhat depressing. Without commitment to Christ, Life can be pretty much all-consuming and overwhelming. While we may not be responsible for all the mess that we see in the world, we're certainly responsible for some of it. And those are the reasons Choose Life Radio is on over 700 AM and FM stations, online and on all the major podcast platforms. We're broadcasting interviews with believers who share the truth. They're oftentimes sharing life before Christ and sharing the difference that Christ continues to make in their lives. The Choose Life family loves producing and airing these personal stories of Christ's love and intervention, and we hear weekly from listeners who share how much they mean to them. But here's the catch. We can't do it without you. Your prayers, your financial support make it possible for Choose Life Radio to continue to broadcast and podcast. We do need your help. We rely on your generous contributions. And while you're making your gift this month, consider making it a monthly contribution. If you give online at the chooseliferadio.com donate button, you can make your gift a monthly contribution without having to go back and indicate so each month. If you'd rather send a check or a money order, you can mail it to Choose Life Radio Network, P.O. Box 36622, Canton, Ohio, 44735. Whatever way you choose to give, please know we're extremely grateful for your faithful financial support. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and I'm with one of my very favorite friends. John Enzer has been uh, very active in pregnancy ministry, and when I was directing a pregnancy center, he was a very important person to me in, in learning things from him. And today, already in the first half, we've learned a lot. And I do hope if you're just now joining us, you'll go back and hear the beginning of this program John, I would love to have you talk now about the 40 days that are coming up. So many organizations are getting involved with that. It's a great opportunity to stand for life. Can you talk to me about how important it is we represent 
Christ when we're doing that. No shouting, no screaming, no accounts of getting angry. Yeah, I love 40 Days for Life. It's really radical in in one sense because it invites people to just go out and prayerfully, with the spirit of lamentation even, to stand outside their nearest abortion business and to pray and to offer assistance to people who are going in there and give them a a life alternative. So for many people, that is the first active step they've ever taken. Lots of people say they're pro-life, but it's more of a stuck between their two ears. But to go out and to pray, engage women or couples who are in crisis, and to see that oftentimes these people are just striving and looking for some way of escaping a crisis, and you're there as a way of offering them an alternative. It's just a great entry point for getting your heart and your mind shaped to feel and to think the way I think the Lord feels about this issue. I totally agree, and I loved the times that I would see someone come right back out from the abortion clinic and walk across the street and say, what do I do? I don't know how I'm going to handle this. And then you've got all these wonderful options of people who want to provide for them through their birth, through their children's first year, second year, and even sometimes third year of clothing and formula. And when someone understands that there's an organization like a pregnancy center somewhere in their community, it's important for them to then be able to access that. And so even to walk them over if it's possible or say, hey, I'll drive you over and introduce you to, and I'll wait and I'll drive you back to your car. Those are the things that it takes to show that you really do care about this child that's unborn. 30 some years ago, my wife went out to be a sidewalk counselor outside of our Planned Parenthood in Boston. And on that very first day, she was able to rescue a mother and her baby. And it really showed us the power that we have as individuals, neighbors loving neighbors. And that was the first thing we ever did, really. Later on, we got involved with a lot of other pro-life things, but that was a step. And that's what 40 Days can provide for everybody. Just go out and start to pray and to feel the sense of loss and burden. You know, the Bible gives us a whole book just to help us to weep. It's called the Book of Lamentations, and it's for such things as this. John, you have been so precious to me through the years that I've known you. I just am dealing with this very difficult level of anger that I'm seeing. It's almost a demonic anger. Does this mean that people are going to actually harm the women who are going in? Does it mean that we're going to have to protect them from door to the pregnancy center like they are protected from door to the abortion center? No, I think most of the attack is going to come on any and all who are trying to help women rather than the women themselves are in crisis. They see us as haters of women. They see us in the most demonic way. And so the anger at the buildings, the paint, the firebombing, it's going to continue. And it may become violent in the sense that people may go in and attack people inside those clinics. So many pregnancy directors and, and boards of directors have had to soberly assess their security measures and so on and so forth. So there's some things that we can prudently do. But I think as a pastor, my word is 
simply to recognize that when you stand against something that is so demonic in its nature, the killing of an innocent child, anger, bitterness, violence is going to happen. I mean, it happened to Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, he created a backlash for as many people that were melted before him and wanted to just touch the hem of his garment. There were people who went out and plotted to destroy him. We're in the same spirit. And so I want to be prepared to suffer if need be. I'm not looking for it. I'm willing to use caution and prudence, but I'm not going to be shocked by it. And I'm not going to become angry or bitter at the culture because it's part of the spiritual cost that we're paying. We're having this discussion with Reverend John Enzer, and he is the president of Passion Life Ministries, the author of numerous books on theology and ethics, including Innocent Blood, Challenging the Powers of Death, and the Gospel of Life. The things that we are hearing from him are not from the book, they're from his heart. This is a man who has committed his life to dealing with this issue and preparing people to provide for those who are choosing life over abortion. And it's been really delightful here to hear your voice again. I've missed you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know why? Because I've been to China 29 times. I've been to. I was just going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about the international because that's such a big part of your ministry. Here's the reality America, United States only represents 3% of abortion worldwide on an annual basis. That means that 97% of the moral crisis of abortion is a world missions challenge, which is why I, 10 years ago, I started turning my attention to the neediest places in the world where abortion, infanticide, and gendercide, the killing of baby girls, is most concentrated. And I wanted to start expanding our pregnancy help movement and converting it into a world missions movement, the way that medical missions and hospitals and clinics were the entry points in India and China and Latin America and pregnancy centers are the entry points for the gospel today. No matter where you are in the world, people are in crisis, in a pregnancy-related crisis. And all pregnancy crisis is a crisis of faith. That's the one thing I've learned in the last 30 years. You show me a woman who's in a pregnancy-related crisis, and she's asking God questions and looking for a Savior. Who's going to save me from this situation? And either it's going to be the abortionist that says, come to me and I will solve your problems and take my yoke upon you. Or it's going to be us bringing the Lord Jesus and saying, listen, if the Lord knows how to make a baby, He has a plan to help you feed it, and we're going to help you find that plan. And that's the battle fault lines right there all over the world. And I want to just put a slip in there for adoption, because there are so many people who have not been able to have a child and are waiting on long lists to adopt a child. And there's nothing better than to be handed a brand new baby and place that in the arms of someone who says, I will be the mom. I'm more than willing to be the mom. My husband is excited about being the dad. I agree. I would say even that the most holy moments of my 32 years doing pregnancy help ministry particularly have been those moments of exchange. And they're holy because, A, you can't really talk about them publicly. You know, you can't write stories about it because they're wrapped in confidentiality. 
But to know a woman, the crisis that she's gone through, and to see her now at this point in her life where she has found her solution and she's selected her parents, and to see those parents who have been for years and years waiting and praying and longing and hoping, and to see those two needs come together at that moment with the exchange of the child, it's a holy moment. Tell me about your most recent book that you've written. Well, the most recent book I wrote was more of a textbook. It's called A Pregnancy Crisis Intervention, What to Say and Do When It Matters Most. It was in writing that book that I was able to go back and read every textbook out there using universities on critical incident stress management. And they just pull all those lessons out of there and see how they apply to pregnancy crisis intervention. So that's what we really are as a movement. We are a crisis intervention movement that specializes in a pregnancy-related crisis. And helping people, everyday people or people who work in a pregnancy center, know what to do and say when it matters most is the question I wanted to answer. So anybody who wants to pursue that can find that book, Pregnancy Crisis Intervention, What to Do and Say When It Matters Most. If you'd like to learn more about abortion and the pro-life movement as a world missions movement, I encourage you to visit passionlife.org. Find out where the need is the greatest and where you can make the most difference in the world. Good. That's passionlife.org, and I'm looking forward to getting to that site. And listener, thank you for joining us in this very important interview John Enzer has really opened up and told us things that we needed to hear. And I'm so grateful for that, John. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Well, thank you. It's a delight to be with you. Listener, I'm hoping that you will know that we are praying over you as well. Thank you for listening and for being a contributor to what we're doing. I am so grateful for you. Would you please join me next week at Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.